on ABC Radio. This is The Big Fish with Scott Levi. If you believe that fishing and the outdoor life should be accessible to everybody, then you're going to love our first cast this morning on The Big Fish, taking you to Lake Macquarie, Bolton Point to be precise, and an amazing fishing structure. If you listen to this show, you probably love fishing, like our next guest, Michael Guest. Felt like launching into the song from Beauty and the Beast then, be our guest. And Guest, he loves fishing, and he wants to share it with everybody in his backyard, Lake Macquarie. And accessibility is the key. People with mobility issues, people in wheelchairs, there are so many who just don't get that chance to do a bit of shore-based fishing because of the terrain, because of the topography. But Guest, he... This is one of those great stories that uh, is opening up fishing to all. Good morning, mate. Yeah, good morning, and good morning to the listeners. Hope everybody's well. And yes, it, it's it's the news is full of all sorts of drama and things that are going on all the time. And it's so good that when we have good news stories, and this is certainly one of those. And uh, local Macquarie City Councils, yeah, it's done a great thing there. And I actually must admit, I didn't know a lot about it in the in the initial planning stages, so it sort of snuck up on me a little bit, but um, to, to see it see it all um, all happen is just terrific. And as you said, um, Lake Macquarie is a great place to fish, and, and quite often people will just ask me in general, oh, Guesty, where's a good, good place to fish from the bank or from the shore and, you know, pick certain areas? And, and I think about those areas now when I'm saying to these people who are able-bodied fisher, fishermen of, of all, you know, ages and genders and... And uh, and and uh, you know generally physically fit people, so it's okay for them. But if you're somebody who struggles a bit you know, with a disability or you're in a wheelchair, then we can never do enough. I don't think to to make sure that everyone has a uh, a fair crack at catching catching themselves a fish. You know, and and to have this go forward, I think it's just uh, it's, it's a really nice story, mate. Michael, describe this this facility at Bolton Point. We do have a great aerial photo that Neil and the crew at Lake Macquarie Council have supplied. We'll put that up on our, our blog site, on the, the podcast site as as well. But um, describe this this platform because it, it really is purpose-built. And the good thing was, too, the council did a survey, and this is what the people wanted. Yeah, right. I didn't know about the survey. Um, but it's always good when any council or governing body really asks questions of people who are going to benefit from these things in the first place. So I think that's... That's a real key issue. I think one of the main reasons that it's been been put in that area, Scott, is that um, it's pretty good fishing in that in that Fennel Bay area. So at, at Bolton Point, it sort of faces to the west there, and quite often I'll actually go in there in my boat and chase fish like flathead and tailor off the surface and and brim in that area. So it's it's an area that does produce good fishing, and I think that's one of the key elements. You know, there's some probably other areas that are quite shallow and and don't have access to that slightly deeper water where the fishing is not going to be quite as good. So I think, A, the location has been well thought of. Um, B, 
you know, there was a, a need for it in that area too. So that's another great thing. And, and what the platform does allow, it allows that accessibility of people with motorised wheelchairs and people who have, have trouble, you know, they might be in a, in a walking frame or, or just, you know, working with their carers and, 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 uh, and need a bit of assistance to get on, onto something nice and easy. So there's no big step up that's all ramped in with, um, with, you know, with that safety rail there and, and, and you, you know, you can just do what every, all the rest of us love to do, Scotty, the same as you and, and, and cast a line. Yeah, and the, the aerial photo shows it very well that there's a very large disabled uh, parking area for dis- uh, people with disability stickers and uh, it's right next to the spot. So you just roll out of the car and on to the ramp and onto the wharf. It's, it's really well situated, isn't it? So we're speaking with Michael Guest, Lake Macquarie local, and, and Guestie has been uh, very chuffed to, to check out Lake Macquarie Council's uh, fish, fishing platform for people with disabilities or mobility issues. And what, what are you likely to catch off there, Guestie? Oh, look, it's, I think I already mentioned that, Scotty. I love fishing that area. Um, a lot for flathead. Flathead are one of my favourite fish to catch. They're, they're readily available through Lake Macquarie. It is a trophy flathead fishery, and look, you're a chance of catching a trophy flathead there. So, so um, you know, fish over that magic 70 centimetre mark. But a lot of those nice sized fish, you know, if you want to take one to eat between that sort of 40 and and, and 50 centimetres, so flathead definitely brim. Um, Taylor's another one, Whiting's another one. They'd be the main four species, which are probably the big four in the lake anyway. But also, uh, late in the evening or real early in the morning when it's a bit quiet there, if you're really keen, there are a few mulloway that sneak around the outside edge there. Um, you can burly up some mullets. There's always mullet in that area. Leather jackets, which will be hanging around the pylons of that structure as well. So, so lots of different target fish that will be available. And and there's all sorts of crazy things that happen in Lake Macquarie. There's big kingfish that roam around the edges, so I imagine they'll make an appearance from time to time. <laughs> oh, and, 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 and make sure you have your brakes on on your on oh, your um, scooter, a mobility scooter, if you're there. Oh, mate, <laughs> hey, we don't want anyone towed in. No, no, it'll be happening. And even even handlining blue swimmer crabs in the warmer months too. There's there's lots of options. Yeah, there. well, fish come to that platform, as you say, it's near some really good deep water. Um, Burley is is burley something because a lot of people think you've got to hunt around and search for the fish. But if you're on a fishing platform, you've got to bring them to you. Would burley be a, a good way to go oh, there at Bolton Point? Absolutely, especially on the bigger tides around the lead up to the full moon and around the dark of the new moon, where we have bigger tides and that when you get that tide running out, so that when there's any water movement there, one hundred percent burley's going to make a massive difference. And on a run out tide. The burley's heading down around towards those rocky points and the reefy edges, and there's all sorts of critters that live and swim around there. Obviously, the another one that I didn't mention are the pan-sized snapper that the lake has as well. So they're another another one that you could get certainly once again late in the afternoon, early in the morning as well. But burley would be a a really good one, especially once that tide's moving and it can drag that burley away. And because of the location of it, it's quite a protected spot too. When we have those predominant northeasterly winds. Um, so even in the north northeasterly or a, a strong southeasterly, it's pretty protected there. So the breeze can help push that burley around too, because it'll be offshore on that structure. Probably the only wind that'll get in there in winter time are those sort of stronger westerlies will tuck in there a little bit. But otherwise, it's it's a great location. You love to chase the big uh, summer garfish too, those little mini marlin. Yep. Would you be able to bring them in there with a little bit of uh, bread or pollen burley? 
Absolutely. Now, Scotty, I'm really disappointed because I thought I'd pick all of them off and you've got me again. I know, yeah, them. I know. <laughs> Definitely Garfish. One more. I reckon there'll be a few squid hanging around there too at different times. So a squid jig would be another one that I have in my tackle box. And you hadn't thought of that one, had you, mate? No, but I think Lake Macquarie Council are really on a winner because there are so many people with mobility issues, so many people who fill this category. And to build uh, places for them to go, uh, you know, it's great for tourism as well. We're speaking with Michael Guest, Lake Macquarie local, about the Bolton Point purpose-built uh, accessible fishing platform that's just been opened up and guesty you're on the road you're on the way back from beautiful southwest rocks where you've actually caught some legal size snapper off the sand off the beach that's a rare capture tell us about this uh, this great thing i was trying to keep that to myself scotty that was an oh unfair. sorry it was it oh geez I've, now i've done it again with this abc i tell you was something i wanted to do so we we um were yeah up north, bit, bit, bit north of that area there and um we thought we'd um, we'd have a crack. A mate of mine catches a few snapper off the beach, but they keep it. It's a bit of secret squirrel. So secret squirrel in fishing terms means it's kept on the down low a little bit. And um, and I said, mate, I'd love to go down with you one afternoon. So um, yeah, three of us went down there, and and um, and there's sort of some shallow reef offshore, but it's sort of in this massive cast, like an 80 metre cast. So changed our rig a little bit. And using um, octopus legs, so something that was quite tough because you don't want to be casting that flat line all the way out, bringing it back in all the time. So um, change things up a bit. Yeah, we got a couple of nice fish. One about three kilos, and another one in that sort of two kilo mark. Um, and we're only funny down there for a couple of hours. So, and I think on the wrong moon phase, so on a, on a new moon when the when the snapper pushing even shallower, I think I think it's got so much potential. And it was something different. And I've been lucky that I've been able to fish not only around this country but in other countries as well and and you know try out so many different types of fishing and different techniques but this is one that I hadn't done before so I was, I was pretty excited to, to to see a snapper come in on the sand. And what about the casting were you throwing to New Zealand with the, those big leads well, or what was the story? Well, we, I, I did have my kayak on the roof we drove down onto the beach so I did paddle a bait out at one point so I paddled one out so an even deeper drop, and then we may have launched a drone and actually droned one bait out as well. So oh. A little, little bit of... But there was some casting as well. Are you allowed we to do that? Is that in the fisheries handbook? Well, I'm not sure if it is or not, but we did it anyway. No, I think it's all perfectly legal, so we um, we did that. So that was pretty cool, but it was just um, a way of accessing some of those deeper areas because we had an onshore breeze, which makes it a bit tough, and, and it's coming back in from one of my... Paddling, paddling the baits out, I was coming back in, and I may or may not have rolled the kayak over in the surf zone. As well. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it got a bit wet. So it was, it was an exciting afternoon, mate. What so. an adventure. Uh, snapper off the sand, although halfway to New Zealand. <laughs> Tight lines, Guesty. Thanks for sharing the story with us. Thanks, Scotty. Talk to you soon, mate. Michael Guest there on the wonderful fishing options for our big fish listeners at Lake Macquarie at the Bolton Point Accessible Fishing Platform, a wonderful initiative. Uh, to give people a chance to wet a line if they may have uh, a disability or or a mobility issue. And just to to tell us a bit about the logistics and engineering and um, I guess all of the things that this uh, local government area, Lake Macquarie City, had to do to get it up and going. Rob Morris is the Section Manager for Community Assets. Good morning, Rob. Welcome to The Big Fish. Morning, Scott. Thanks for having me. And Jess Salvador is the Acting Coordinator of Social and Community Planning. G'day, Jess. 
Hi, how are you going? First, yeah, very well, thanks. Uh, welcome to The Big Fish on the ABC. Rob, first of all to you, tell us about the logistics of getting this up and going, the engineering, the, the sites, I guess um, the bureaucracy you'd have to wade through as well. There'd be a lot with maritime and state government agencies and, and the, the health and safety aspects. I mean, it, it's not as easy as just building a platform, is it? Uh, no, it isn't. There, there's quite a few things that we need to do our end to make sure that, one, we're, we're choosing the right location for a facility such as um, an oil-ability fishing platform. And also, yeah, there are a few approval processes and things like that that we need to do our end. Um, there's a lot of environmental and social implications to consider as well as uh, Crown Land Management Acts and things like that because the fishing platform is actually on um, Crown Land. Tell us about the, the logistics of, of building it and, and some of the engineering ideas. Uh, is it something that other countries, other regions have? Uh, so it's it, like all things, building something in the water is always has its challenges. Um, the, the key components of the fishing platform are that it's, it's built out of what we call an FRP decking or a fibre-reinforced plastic, um, and that's a new... Uh, material that we've used recently on a lot of aquatic facilities. It's low maintenance and hard wearing um, and a little bit more environmentally friendly than other products. Um, the the existing jetty need, did need to be um, widened quite significantly to make sure that the platform was fully accessible. So it's now 3.7 metres wide to allow accessibility for all um, users and their carers. Um, and we also had to provide some accessible parking as well as a part of the project to make sure that the users had a space to be able to, to park and then access the facility. Um, so the facility has uh, a number of access path um, connections and also we provide a number of fishing rod holders, handrails and other things for um, enhanced safety and stability. And as we heard from uh, Michael Guest, it's a great fishing spot too, close to deep water, lots of species that you can access. And these places become fads, fish-attracting devices as well. They're, they're lots of marine growth around the pylons and things, and they actually attract fish to them. And then the more fisher folk who use them, uh, the more burly goes in, the more the fish come to the spot as well. Jess Salvador is with us, who's been working on the community engagement with this. Jess, um, is it in the right spot? And, and uh, people said they really need something like this. Are, are the, the community excited, uh, particularly people with mobility issues, to be able to fish? Absolutely, they are. Um, back in 2020, we engaged in a, um, a, a big community engagement piece to develop our, our Disability Inclusion Action Plan. And from that, we had over 40% of our respondents say that they wanted us to help create more livable communities. And also 30% of people said it was important to ensure that we develop positive community attitudes. And so something like this helps to achieve both of those outcomes. And what about NDIS providers and, and carers, the sort of place where they can have, have adventures there and wet a line without all of those risks on a rocky shoreline and that sort of thing? Absolutely. So Council also um, hosts and chairs the Access and Inclusion Advisory Panel and this panel is made up of a range of stakeholders, um, you know, people who have lived experience, uh, service providers such as NDIS providers as well as frontline workers, um, councillors and council staff and the, the aim of this advisory panel is to provide feedback and advice 
um, and, and advocacy to, to council to ensure that our facilities are meeting accessibility standards and are usable for all of our communities. So certainly a great spot for, for anyone to come on down and, and to be able to allow all people in our community to live life to their fullest. Mm. I can't wait to see it uh, in, in use in summer. It'll be fantastic. And also little kids too, you know, a level area for, for little kids. Uh, you've got that safety rail at the back so people are, are fishing you know, in a direction where they can control the movement of people. It's just got everything going for it, hasn't it? It absolutely does. And we've got the playground there as well. It's the whole site is really welcoming to, to all people in the community, from our, our young children, people with the, um, you know, disability or accessibility needs, um, also our older population. You know, we do have an ageing population in, in our community. And so, again, this allows everyone to, to come and continue to use our facilities for a longer time um, and, again, experience the full offerings of living in Lake Macquarie. And it's also that um, intergenerational mix, that mix of people of differing abilities. You know, people aren't being segregated in, in society. We're all getting together. And, and, you know, the joy that people get from from uh, kiddies having fun and, and grandparents being involved, I mean, it's just a really positive thing, isn't it? It's so, so nice to talk about uh, the way society is going in the right direction. It sure is. And and that was one of our, again, one of the key focus areas from our, our community engagement um, for our, our plan was around developing those positive community attitudes. And we know that when people in the wider community see people of all abilities being able to engage in these kinds of activities, it helps to change those attitudes or those those limiting perceptions that we might have of people who have a disability. So having all people being able to come and use these facilities opens up the doors and you know it helps to create greater cohesion and greater connection to everyone in our community. No, it's just lovely. And the final question to Rob uh, there, Rob Morris, the Section Manager uh, Community Assets, and you, Jess Salvador, uh, from Lake Macquarie Council. How good a, a fisher people are you? Are you going to go down and, and give it a crack? I'll give it a go. I don't know if I'll catch anything, but um, always willing to, yeah, love being by the lake anytime. What about you, Rob? Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, I wouldn't call myself an expert fisherman, but it's always great. Um, that's one of the best things about us uh, working at Council. We get to go out and enjoy these great facilities as well with the community. That's right. You're part of the community. And Michael Guest, he'll, he'll show you how to catch a few. He could catch them in a bathtub. Don't worry. If you take Guesty, you'll, you'll take a feed of fish home. Uh, tight lines to you both. Thanks for joining us on The Big Fish. Thanks very much, Scott. Thanks for having us. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. World fly fisherwoman April Vokey believes to catch a fish, you have to think like a fish and even look like a fish or see like a fish. What did you learn from the underwater photography when it comes to forage fish and nymphs and things? What were some of the, the key points you took away from that? Because it, it's like uh, it gives you a, a window on how your fly is behaving through a run and a riffle. Yeah, great. So. Um what the footage you're referring to is from our latest masterclass that we did with author and guide Kevin Feenstra. And so he had published this game-changing book called Matching Baitfish. And it really, from a scientific stance, it really knocked my socks off. It blew my mind. So I contacted him to see if he'd be willing to do this class. And, of course, he had a bunch of 
um, footage. And my cameraman flew in to, to film with him in Michigan and, and also got a bunch of footage. And what I really learned in that particular class is that the, the speed in which you present your bait fish is so important because different species of bait fish move differently, right? Like a sculpin is going to move vastly different to a yeti or to a, I don't know, a goby or, you know, an insert bait fish name here. And so the speed in which a fly is presented is really important. And I think too many times we just get in the habit of casting, stripping, retrieving, and we're not clever enough and, and, and certainly not switched on enough to really focus on the, the subtleties, right? Like, do we do a, a jerk uh, strip? Do we do a, do we do a dead drift? Do we, do we, I don't know, swing it, right? And, and if you do swing it, what speed do you swing it? Do you mend upstream or do you mend downstream? And so um, in that class, it really helped me to recognize um, the different species of bait fish and how to fish them or how to present them to the fish. Did your catch rate go up once you started to match the, the movement of the fish more accurately? It goes up every single time that we publish a class, and I am not just saying that as from a sales stance. I mean, I feel like I get paid to learn and become a better angler. I've got the best job in the world, honestly, Scott. I wouldn't change a thing. Have you been after the steelhead? Have you been over for the the summer run? Yeah, and I'm on my way there in what are we in three weeks? I'll be gone. Wow, wow. And and uh, how how's it been? I mean, are they going all right? No, it's not looking great. So we we'll, we will see. Uh, the season might not open and. Um, and if the season does open and there's not a lot of fish, I don't know how much fishing I'll honestly do. Sometimes I just, I mean, I'll put on a dry fly and just be out there to be out there. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Are you a chance to catch a grayling doing that or, you know, are they, are they in the rivers you, you fish? No, not in these particular, there are grayling in northern Canada. Um, my my place, I, for people who don't have no idea who I am, I'm obviously Canadian and I split the year between Canada and Australia. And um, my place is, is about an hour away from Alaska, way up north in British Columbia. And so there are grayling, grayling in rivers there, but not in the river that I live on, which is called um, the Bulkley River. But can I ask you something? Yeah, go if you like. Controversial. I was not going to ask you this, but I'm very curious. Um, live scoping. I had never been introduced to live scoping. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Do you, have you guys discussed that on the show yet? Oh, you're talking about the really high-resolution sonar images. Yeah, where they basically find the fish and then target the fish. <laughs> yeah. can and you can it. even see the lure <laughs> as it comes past well, the fish. Well, from a fly fishing stance, I think it's really interesting because you can see your fly and your line presentation. So you can see where it sags and you can see the motion. Because um, obviously what we think our flies, speaking of bait fish, are doing isn't necessarily what they're doing. And so from a live scoping stance, it's really interesting to be able to see our flies and our lines. But ethically, I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> did it work, April? That's the main thing. Did <laughs> did you see the, the big cod come off its snag and, and whack your fly? <laughs> well, mess work too, Scott. It doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, yeah, I it did work. Not on the fly. I mean, these guys were after 100-pounders. They're amazing. And these guys are amazing. I can't wait to go back out with them again. It's just that... From a fly fishing stance, I really felt this. There's very, I mean, as you know, I've worked in the industry now, in the fly fishing industry, for 22 years. It's not a lot in time. I'm only 40, you know, but it's long enough to have seen a lot of changes over the last couple decades. And I really felt like for the first time in probably eight or nine years, this was the first time where I've had a pivotal moment of, oh my God, this is another major game changer. This. As, as a fly fisher, this could really change everything around the world, how we fish for marlin, 
deeper species, cod, obviously. I mean, maybe salmon and steelhead. I don't know. I just, I haven't felt that sort of revelation and confusion um, in the industry in a while, within myself, I mean. So I just thought maybe that might be something that um, you might have a little insight into, or if it's culturally acceptable in Australia. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's real, really interesting, isn't it? Particularly fishing around snags for cod and, and bass and things, which are fish we let go. Um, but if it did have, look, the, the only concern I'd have, if it had an impact on the sustainability of a fishery, then don't right. do it. An interesting discussion to have, and I'm wondering if our Big Fish listeners might want to weigh into the Big Fish at your.abc.net.au. Let me know. I'm so curious. I really want to know what the community thinks about it. Yeah, sure. Look, uh, tight lines, tight loops to you, April. It's great to catch up, and people can look on uh, YouTube and, and or go to your anchored website, and they can yeah. have a look at what Anchored you've been. Outdoors.com. And if you press contact, you will you will find me, and I'll send you. Look, I know not everybody has the resources to sign up to become a member, so shoot me an email on the website, and I'll shoot you some free links or set you up with a free account. Sounds great, April Vokey. Thanks for joining us again on the Big Fish Tight Lines. Thanks, Scott. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. He comes Stinker with his fishing tips. Some hot advice for your fishing trip. Where to find him? What's the bait? Are you catching any, mate? Morning, Stinker. Uh, G'day, Scott. I believe you've had quite an eventful week. You've been up on the Tweed and then out to Broughton. What did you do up on the Tweed? Well, of course, that's hometown. And I, uh, I didn't even get much of a chance to even get out on the water. Really, I was only, only just up for a couple of days to see. I got fruit trees up there, <laughs> and so I just went up to see how my fruit trees are going. And of course, my family's been, my kids are up there too, my grandchildren. So yeah, no, that's. I just like to go up there occasionally, stay a few days, and come back. But I never really had a chance to launch the boat. But what I did do. Oh gee, and I enjoy it every time I go. Is that I uh, head up into a place called Cudgeon. Now Cudgeon is a beautiful little town up behind Kingscliff and Chindra, uh, and my family history relates directly to Cudgeon. My great grandfather actually had a pub there. He had a horse. They used to race, have the Cudgeon races. He even had a horse in the Melbourne Cup. That run eight. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, it's not good enough, is it? But still, never mind. Um, and I don't know how he got it from Coogeon to, to to Melbourne. I'm blown if I know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So all my uh, family roots are around that area, and it's beautiful country. Oh, gee, the the soil up there. If you stand in it, they reckon you grow six inches if you stand in it. <laughs> it's such good soil. But what I also like to do up there is to go down on the waterfront early in the morning when the trawlers come in and get up fresh prawns straight off the trawler. You can't can't do better than that, Stinker. There's just no substitute for freshness with with prawns um, straight off the. Do they cook them or do you get them green? Well, you can have your choice, but I the. Trawler man, he sends me a text. So I get a text um, either the night before or very early in the morning to say that the 
boat will be crossing the Tweed Bar at around about half past seven to eight o'clock in the morning. So I get myself down there where they moor, where they tie up, and you can wait for them to come in. And they cook the prawns on the on the way in from out at sea. So when you actually purchase them for really cheap too, in comparison, uh, they're fresh as a daisy. So you can have them cooked. So you might get a, a kilo of cooked prawns. And you can also get them what they call headless greens, which are green prawns. The head have been taken off. And and then you, you can peel them and, and butterfly them, open them out and put them in flour, beaten egg and breadcrumbs. And then you cook them in hot oil. Oh, gee, prawn cutlets. They're really hard to beat. Especially, Scott, if you have a dipping sauce, which you don't really need. <laughs> I know the one you like. You like that, um, the, the the plum sauce, don't you, that the Chinese well, restaurant gets you? Well, you can have this plum sauce, the sweet and sour sauce, the tartare sauce, any of those. You know, that's if you want it. I mean, you don't really need it. I just chomp straight into it. But, oh, look, it, and it's when you get something fresh and fresh veggies and fresh um, seafood, oh, gee, it's hard to beat. It is. We're speaking with Stinker, who's just back from the, the Tweed. And, and why do they take the heads off uh, the, the fresh prawns that are coming in, Stinker? Why do they do that? Yeah. Oh, well, you do notice that if you leave the prawns whole and with the head on um, and you don't freeze it, you just leave it overnight, they'll go black. The head goes black. Now, that's an iodine that then filters back into the into the prawn meat. And, and apart from looking, it doesn't look presentable. It also detracts from the from the taste. So by pulling the head off, um, it stays fresh as a daisy and, and and quite beautiful. But something else I love to do up there too, which is rather unique, and that is I go up into the Cudgeon, up to Cudgeon again, and I get um, custard apples. Have you ever had a feed of custard apples? Yeah, I lived for years in, in Townsville. Stinker, my dearest darling, Catherine's from Townsville and love the custard apples. They're, they're, my uh, mother-in-law had a tree in the backyard with them. They're great. Aren't they? So I have custard apples and <laughs> custard apples and prawns. How's that? I didn't know they grew them that far south. They're, they're tropical fruit, aren't they? Oh, these, these, no, they grow them. Like I said, you can grow anything in this soil at Cudgeon. But, uh, yeah, they're beautiful. And they sell them on the side of the road as well. And there's a lot of roadside stalls and then your sweet potatoes and your corn and, and everything else that's growing up there. It's just, oh, it's a pleasure to go up and drive through the hills and come back with a, with a bag full of um, goodies. Yeah, love it. Uh, hunter-gatherer you are. You're a hunter-gatherer with the fresh <laughs> prawns from the trawlerman. And it, it cuts out the middleman, that, too. It's great if you can do that. Just go straight onto the trawler and, and get those. And there's no comparison, you know, even if they've been left for a day at, or sent to the markets or somewhere. They're, they're just There's no comparison to those ones that are straight out of the water. They just really are as good as you'll ever taste. We're speaking with John Stinker-Clark, and Stinker, then, no rest for you, you got home and straight back to sea, I believe. Oh, right, so next day I got home. The next day I jumped on the big boat and took um, a crew of 50 uh, on a history tour to Broughton Island. Oh, what a That's day. a lot of people, Stinker. A lot of people are 
interested in uh, local history, aren't they? 50, as long as you bring 50 back, I guess that's the main thing as well. Well, I hope someone counted, but <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming we brought them all home. But that was... That was Tuesday, Wednesday. That was Wednesday uh, through the week. And, oh, gee, we had the most magnificent. It was a 10 out of 10 day. One of those glassy days, the water was just crystal clear and and flat as a flounder. And we everybody jumped on board in, in Nelson Bay. And then we um, chugged out through the heads out between Tomaree and, and um, Yakabar and then headed straight north to Broughton Island, past Bundlebar Island and Cabbage Tree Island, which have got great stories to tell. Um, but what really struck me on the on the trip there and back was the amount of surface fish. It's yeah, the whole surface of the is, is boiling with fish, which is a great sign. What were they? Stinker, different species, or uh, salmon? Yeah. Well, the salmon, mainly salmon. There's just, there's just tons and tons of salmon going north. But there's also slice, big schools of slimy mackerel, schools of tailor. Um, Benito are breaking the surface. Tuna, tuna are busting up all over the world. Tuna are great to watch in the water because they leap totally out. They, they, they jump straight out of the water and it's really spectacular to watch them perform. And, of course, the birds are going haywire. They're having the greatest picnic of all time. The old seagulls, you know, they're lazy creatures, seagulls. They just sit on the surface and wait for something to happen. But uh, the other mob, oh, gee, terns, of course. Terns will dive in and get under the surface of the water. But they're all in there for their cut. And we saw one or two whales, not many. Um, heap of dolphins, a common dolphin, not the bottlenose. The bottlenose dolphin is the one that lives inside Port Stephens. That's the bottlenose. But he doesn't come outside. They're, they're residents and their resident population. There's around about 100 of them inside Port Stephens. And it's a big industry. Dolphin watching is a big industry in Port Stephens, and we rely on those hundred to stay there, uh, which they do. But outside the heads is a common dolphin. He's smaller, and they've sort of got a yellowy tummy, and they put on some tremendous performance. And one more show was the um, seals. We've now got a permanent colony of seals. So everything's on the go, Scott. Uh, and what do they love about the stories? Was there one particular story that they gave you feedback on, or they they love it all? Uh, Clara Bell, the, the do you tell them the story of the cow? I mean, that is probably one of the great all time survival stories, isn't it? You know what? I tell them heaps and heaps of stories, and I forgot to tell them about. <laughs> oh no, they've been robbed. <laughs> they'll, have to, they'll have to go back again. They want their money back. <laughs> I forgot. I meant to two or three times. I I uh, remind myself to, to to tell them the Clarabel story. But oh, there are so many other stories. Of, particularly Cabbage Tree Island's got some beautiful stories to tell with that little bird. You know, the girl's petrel. That's just a, a story on its uh, itself. But then, of course, when we get on the island, we talk about the plane that landed but it couldn't take off because it couldn't go fast enough to take <laughs> off. 
<laughs> so they had to dismantle it and put it on the back of a trawler. Uh, I mean, there are numerous stories, and most of them focus on a man, one man who lived for 49 years on the island, a Greek, Demetrius Georges Cara George, um, a real hero, pioneering hero, in uh, particularly around Nelson Bay. Yeah, and you've uh, got the book, haven't you? Kerosene Tin Jim. That's him. That's the same fellow. Yeah, yeah, we heard that story. I, lo- I love the story about how he'd tell them there was he'd lost his uh, buried treasure. Then they'd all oh, dig, yeah. dig and dig, and then thanks, and he'd part, plant his watermelons. They'd done the, the hard yakka. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember another story they told me, and he never, ever wore shoes. He never, ever had shoes. And uh, anyway, they, someone, one of his mates, decided to take him to the races in Newcastle. Well, that's like that's massive to come yeah. off Broughton Island and then to go to Newcastle. And he didn't have his shoes on, but when he got at the gates of the racetrack, he put on an old pair of shoes and wore them at, at the races. But as soon as he left the race, he took his shoes off again. He said, the worst thing about going to the races was wearing shoes. <laughs> that's great. Actually, when I think of it, I don't think I've ever seen you wearing shoes either, Stinker. <laughs> no, I don't wear shoes. If I can get away with it as, as long as I possibly can. But uh, on some, uh, sometimes when I go and speak to the kids at school, I like to put shoes on. <laughs> I just don't want to walk around barefooted. Oh, good on you, mate. Tight lines. We'll catch you next week. Hooray, Scott. On ABC Radio, it's The Big Fish with Scott Levi. Now, if you've ever been down to New Orleans, then you can understand just what I mean. Now, all through the week, it's quiet as a mouse, but on Saturday night, they go from house to house. You don't have to pay the usual admission if you're a cook or a waiter or a good musician. So if you happen to be just passing by, stop in at the Saturday night fish fry. It was oh, it's a Saturday morning fish fry with Julie Ray. Hey, hey, hey. G'day, g'day, g'day. Good. How are you this morning? Oh, everything's rhyming this morning. It's going very, very well. I love doing this segment before Simon Marnie comes on in Sydney because it makes him really hungry, and we know he's our galloping gourmet. But this is really interesting. Your husband has fallen in love with your salt and pepper fish. Besides me. Oh, of course. That goes without saying. You're the side dish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, we won't go any further because no. it is early on Saturday morning. It is, it is, And it a is. family show. Um, no, salt and pepper so normally. I've done salt and pepper for him before. I've um, done it with prawns, done it with squid. But I had um, I had my girls come over for book club the other night and uh, I went, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? And, you know, a working woman, as you do, you think, okay, I'll do something quick and easy. And I did salt and pepper fish. So, wow. and it just went down like a treat and then I made it again a few days later and Richard's like, can you make it again? Can you make it again? And he's, where have you been all my life? And I said, I've been here. And he went, no, I'm talking about the salt and pepper fish. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I'm out, salt and pepper's in. As long as I make that salt and pepper fish, I can can, um, keep it and stick around. All right, share that recipe that wowed everybody in Byron Bay. And I know everyone hates to hear the fact that this is really simple, but it is. And all the girls in the book club, they all literally got the recipe and are now doing it. So it's just a tablespoon of Szechuan. Now, Szechuan you can buy at any good Asian store. Um, and it's just like it's a 
always people call it a pepper, but it's traditionally not a pepper. It's a, it's actually from a from a tree, but you look for Szechuan pepper. So Szechuan, it's very tangy. It's not a hot um, spice. So Szechuan, a tablespoon of that, a tablespoon of black peppercorn, a tablespoon of salt, any salt, white salt, any salt you want. Uh, and then just get a uh, dry roast it. So just get a small frying pan, put it on a medium heat and just dry roast those um, all three together until you can even start hearing the, the Szechuan start popping. Just don't walk away from it. You don't want to get the, the salt to turn black, just a little bit of a golden colour. And then, and you don't want to burn either of those, those uh, Szechuan or peppercorns. Take it off the heat, put it into a mortar and pestle and grind it down to a nice, you know, to a lovely little... Grind sort of powdery, consistency, powdery, yeah, not yeah. too powdery, but I don't mind having a, yeah, a few bit of chunk, chunky yeah. bits. Some say so some like to um, put it through a sieve to get any the chunky bits out, but I love the chunky bits. No, no, it gives you a bit of texture, doesn't it? Yeah, and then I get some uh, tapioca flour. I mean, you could use any flour, but I like the tapioca because tapioca is quite light. And of course, if you've got anyone that's gluten free, you know that you're going to be fine. But tapioca, and again, that's just in any Asian store, you might even find it in your supermarket. And pretty cheap, get that, and I get some egg whites. So say you're serving for, I had, um, oh, say, a kilo of fish, I did two egg whites. And okay. just get some egg whites, whisk those up, put a couple of tablespoons of your salt and pepper mix into the, ta- the um, tapioca flour, and you're going to put that onto a tray to just mix that together. In a bowl, you've got egg whites. And I make my fish into... into uh, you know, not not long pieces, so bite-sized pieces. I have some oil. Um, before I start coating my fish, I make sure my oil is in a wok, is on, and get into the heat. So just before cooking, you put your, you then dip your flour in, uh, sorry, your fish into the egg white, then into the salt and pepper mix, then into your oil that is hot enough to cook your fish. So I use a. Uh, Neutral oil, as in a rice bran oil, a sunflower oil, those sort of those oils, the seed oils, uh, so it doesn't give any extra flavour to the to the fish. But also, those oils get right to the point. And knowing when you you don't overfill your wok, because once you start putting the, your food into that wok, it actually raises up. Just don't you know do yeah. all the things about deep fry. Make sure the handles away from the edge. Just stand by your pan <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And then my trick about knowing when your oil is ready is ah, you can start you can start seeing it change so that the surface changes a bit of um, texture. I get a wooden spoon and at the handle of the wooden spoon I put into make sure it's wooden, not plastic, into the oil and it starts bubbling straight away. Your oil's ready to go. So I just do that in batches, cook my fish in batches. Remember, fish into the egg white, then into the flour, then into the oil. Take it out, drain it onto paper towels, and before I serve, I put some. Or actually, while it's still hot, I put some more of that um, salt and pepper mixture over the top. Serve that up, and I, you can serve it with. I serve it with wasabi mayo. Oh, lovely! So it's just a nice mayo with some lemon juice and wasabi, um, and I make a, a Asian slaw with a nice little dressing to go with it, and. Bob's uncle. Oh, just That's fantastic. It. it just sounds That's so good. It. The the tapioca flour, what what uh, characteristics does that take on when it's when it's in the, the hot oil? What the, the, Oh crispy. crispy uh, so it's crunchy. a crispy flour, yeah. yeah. And light. It makes mm. it really light. But you could use you could use normal flour. Uh, you could make use rice flour, you could use corn flour. 
But I just like the tapio because I feel it just makes it lighter. But it's still crunchy. So you've got a crunchy coating on the outside of the fish, then soft and tender. How do you know when your fish is ready? Is I also get a wooden skewer before I take it out and I pierce the fish. And if the skewer goes through easily, your fish is cooked. Easy done. I got some lovely blackfish a couple of weeks ago with uh, Craig and uh, Stephen on Sydney Harbour. We had a great time and got bagged out. You've got some beautiful big fish up to 40 centimetres, lovely big mm. white boneless fillets. That'd be perfect for this That'd sort of That'd be perfect. Thing. You don't want a fine, you don't want a, um, a flaky fish. You want a firmer fish to go with this dish. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and not overcooked. That's the secret, I guess. Yeah, not overcooked. So literally the minute that skewer goes through, take it out. It's going to keep on cooking. And did your dearest darling just go crazy for this? Yes, exactly. So I've got more people. So this will be like the third time in two weeks I've been asked to cook this You might dish. have to give up your job at the ABC up there on the north coast and uh, open uh, the, the Sashwan fish. Sash, salt. Yes, salt and pepper. Salt and pe- Jules salt and pepper fish. Yes, you could that, uh, have a specialty restaurant with that. That sounds yeah. so good. It's, it I'm, going seems... to, I'm going to give that a, a go for Dad on Father's Day. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, it seems to, you know... Uh, the love it seems to keep my husband around a bit longer so mm. I don't there know you if that's go that's a good or a bad thing hey <laughs> <laughs> he's a wonderful fellow yeah uh, he's all right you're a great couple <laughs> hey good to talk to you again julie ray that's a, an absolute winner in the kitchen tight lines tight line happy father's day now if you ever been down to new orleans then you can understand just what i mean now all through the quiet as a mouse but on Saturday night they go from house to house you don't have to pay the usual admission if you're a cook or a waiter or a good musician so if you happen to be just passing by stop in at the Saturday night fish fry it was rocking it was rocking you never see such stuffing and shelf until the break of dawn it was rocking Now my buddy and me was on the main stem Fooling around just me and him We decided we could use a little something to eat So we went to a house on Rampart Street We knocked on the door and it opened with ease And a lush little miss said, come in please And before we could even bat an eye We were right in the middle of a big fish fry It was rocking It was rocking Now the folks was having the time of their life And Sam was jiving Jimmy's wife And over in the corner was a beat-up grand Being played by a big fat piano man Now some of the chicks wore expensive frocks Some of them had on Bobby socks But everybody was nice and hot At this particular Saturday night fish fry It It was was rocking It was rocking Let the joy begin. Now we figured this was a good place.
place to play Cause the party was already underway But all of a sudden the lights went low And everybody made straight for the front door Man, I was so scared I didn't know where to go I stood right there, then I fell on the floor It was rocking It was rocking You never see that scuffling and shuffling Till the break of dawn screaming and jumping and yelling the bottles was flying and the fish was smelling and way up above all the noise they made somebody holler better get out of here this is a raid i didn't know we were breaking the law but somebody reached over and hit me on the jaw they had us blocked off from the front to the back and they were putting them in the wagon like potato sacks it wasn't rocking it wasn't rocking You never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. I knew I could get away if I had a chance, but I was shaking like I had the St. Vitus dance. Now I tried to crawl under a bathtub when the policeman said, Where you going now, bub? Now they got us out of there like a house of fire, put us all in that black mirage. Now they might have missed a pitiful few, but they got both me and my buddy too. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. We headed for jail in a day's condition. They booked each one of us on suspicion. Now my chick came down and went my bail and finally got me out of that rotten jail. Now, if you ever want to get a fist in your eye, just mention a Saturday night fish fry. I don't care how many fish in the sea, but don't ever mention a fish to me. It was rocking. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listener.